by not coming to pit road. Briscoe and Sendrick now above the cut line. Larson below it. The elimination race in the round of 12. Back underway. A lot of contact into turn one. The They're in They're in game. Around the nine. nine. Back up front, the 20 of Christopher Bell is all the way up to fourth place, guys, and he's going for third. Bell all the way up to second now as he's battling with Allmendinger. Caution's come out. There'll be a restart. Side by side and carnage in turn one. Oh, the two's around. Kane and around goes to two. Briscoe, Larson tied right now for the final spot. Christopher Bell, can he win his way into the next round of the playoff? He has done it. We live on, boys. Great job, Bell. That's why you never give up, man. Just like we talked about in the shop. Great job. The fight for the final transfer spot. Briscoe, he's eliminated the reigning champion. And we close the book on the round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs after an action-packed weekend at the Roval. I'm Kim Kuhn for NASCAR America alongside Dale Jarrett and Parker Kligerman. We would also love to hear from you, so you can phone us in at one nascar NBC, or, of course, tweet us using the hashtag MotorMouse. All right, guys, before we dive in to everything Roval, just general thoughts about what we saw this weekend. Uh, what we saw right there in the highlights were every car that I had in my fantasy lineup was spinning, <laughs> and they, they went terrible. No, that's a joke. No, it was seriously. That was that. But <laughs> it, it was incredible, kind of what we've come to expect and why this race uh, on the Roval is going to continue to be a cutoff race, and uh, it, it doesn't disappoint. I will have to say that you know, what we saw for the first two and a half stages of it um, it, it wasn't compelling, but there was still enough things going on with Daniel Suarez and everything. And, you know, we, you know, Steve Latart was great in bringing up, hey, watch parts and pieces not being able to make it through this. So uh, it was still going to be interesting to see what happens. And then to see a couple of drivers that I didn't expect to make mistakes in the situation to where, and I'm speaking of Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson, that basically all they had to do was stay on the asphalt, not hit anything, and they were going to be into the round of eight. And they both hit something and were very close to not making it through. One of them didn't. So, interesting day. Uh, again, never disappoints. Yeah, it doesn't. And I think it lived up to, you know, this being, Jeff Burton said it as we went into the week, that, you know, he thought of the Roval as one of the most difficult racetracks outside of Darlington in NASCAR currently in the modern day. And so I just think it lives up to that because it's brutal on the cars, as you mentioned. And that's something that we know, you know, we don't think of in modern NASCAR racing the last couple of years is will the cars last? But this, this place is so brutal. It's a mix of a street course with a natural train road course with an oval and the level and the loads you take on that. And so I think it lived up in that sense. Definitely, you know, for the first two and a half stages, was a more subdued race than I probably thought we would see there. Just yeah. and especially looking at how hard the cars were to drive, the grip level they were dealing with, the tire fall off. I just felt like there might be a little bit more action. But then, of course, late race <laughs> cautions happened and it ignited. It's like you know, just lit on fire. And I think you know, it, it just turned everything upside down. And that place invites that because mm -hmm. there's so many corners that are awkward that have weird angles of attack that you can sort of go for a low percentage move. And we saw that like every corner in those restarts. It's and almost so, like a street course. Yes. Yeah. More but, so than a road course. But open. So you yeah. can like, you can, you find areas in space where you see like an opening and you think like, I'm going to go there. That's yeah. going to be, this is going to work. Yeah. Watch this. And then you realize, oh no, there's a reason we don't run here. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is closing up, and now I'm three wide or four wide and smashing into a bunch of cars. And that's just, I think, what happens in the late race restarts. That's what was amazing to me is how quickly, from the time that you take off on the restart, mm -hmm. how quickly they can get to four wide uh, before they get <laughs> to turn was, one. I was surprised though, how many people did not miss turn one, like we've yeah. seen in yeah. the past. Yeah. So yeah. that was a little bit of a we've surprise. gotten better at actually breaking yes. for turn one now. That's yeah. that maybe that hasn't been a like, we've gotten rid of that issue. Yeah. But in terms of how many cars we can actually try and fit in a turn one <laughs> is now a new issue. Just trying to jam pack yeah. it. Well, all the action that both DJ and Parker are talking about culminated in Christopher Bell getting a walk-off win. He had his back against the wall, proved everybody he could do it. So let's hear what he has to say after the big victory. Man, you were seventh before that final caution there, Christopher. At what point did you think, man, we might be able to get this thing done? Oh, man, I don't even know. Whenever I came off pit road and I was the first car with tires, 
I was just trying to wait and see where I stacked up. And then I saw there were uh, 11 cars that stayed out on old tires, and I was the first one on new tires. So, you know, I said, I guess we're going to roll the dice here and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, whenever I got into turn one, my spotter did an amazing job. They all started wrecking, and he told me to, to stay tight to the middle. And, uh, and, you know, that kept me out of all the junk in turn one. So just really, really, really proud of everybody on this, uh, this DeWalt team. They, uh, they deserve it, man. We've been trying so hard to get DeWalt in victory lane, and we finally got this Camry there. Adam Stevens mentioned to you earlier today, hey, no matter what, we're not going to quit. What does this say about not giving up? Man, you just got to be there at the end of these things. And, you know, I keep watching all these races where the fastest car doesn't always win. And there's, it's been no secret that road courses have not been our strength this year. But uh, we were just there at the right time. We, uh, we, we obviously weren't in position to win. We rolled the dice. We gambled. And uh, it paid off for us. You were the best team in the first round. Here in the second round, you get an epic win to advance to the round of eight. How dangerous, Christopher, can this team be? I feel really good about it, that's for sure. So I, I knew that the whole time going into this second round of the playoffs, uh, this was the troublemaker. With Talladega and then the road course being in here, whenever we weren't strong on the road courses, I was really nervous about this round. And, you know, I felt good about Texas. And then whenever we got out of there with no points, I, I thought it was going to be a really tough road, and, and it was a really tough road, but uh, there was an end to it. How about that, guys? Christopher Bell. Will... I don't think I have seen Christopher Bell smile as big <laughs> as he does in that video. But to uh, reference kind of what Marty was talking about, the turning point, the pivotal part of this race was the lap 104 caution for the loose sign on track. The 20 pits from 7th restarts 12th, goes from 12th to 3rd on the first lap of the that and then ultimately get another caution and he's able to to grab the lead and the restart the call by adam stevens i want to start with you parker to come in get fresh tires not only that i don't know that a lot of people knew they were in my section of favor they were also close on fuel mm -hmm. and they weren't going to make it if they got a green and white checker so that mm -hmm. was part of it too your, your thoughts when you saw them come in i thought they had nothing to lose so why not you know i i, I wasn't surprised potentially to see that because in his position he had to do something, right? And, you know, sometimes there's race car drivers and race teams. That's the hardest thing to do is do nothing. Sometimes the easiest thing is to do something. And I think in his position, Adam Stevens and Christopher Bell, they had to do something. They were not going to win the race from all the way back there without complete calamity. They didn't have the speed. You had to find a leg up, an edge. They saw the tire fall off, realized the tires could be important, adding some fuel for the, you know, being able to go through green light checkers and potentially, you know, a bit of weight distribution, which is a big hot topic these days. But I think... You know, when you look at that, the way he drove from that point onwards also was the, I don't have anything to lose, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. the, the amount of places he makes up here, a little bit of fortune in terms of people wrecking, sure. but he just puts caution in the wind, makes the moves, uses those tires to advantage. And I think even without that second caution, he still catches Kevin yeah. Harvick probably. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, great call, um, but it, it was right there for them. So to, to say it was brilliant call, mm -hmm. no, it, it was kind of, it's what they had to do. They, their only choice was to, to win this race if they were going to move forward. I, I have to say, I was really surprised that someone like Reddick, that they didn't come get tires yeah. because his car had really fallen off. And I really thought that they made, they didn't really have anything to lose and, you know, had one of the fastest three cars all day long. So, uh, but it kind of opened up. But as I told Christopher Bell, uh, when we, he came by the, the Peacock pit box and, and spoke with us for a little bit uh, after his victory lane stuff. And, and I said, you know, the one thing that you had to do, and it's hard to do as a competitor when you know that you're getting ready to be knocked out of the playoffs, is, is to keep battling. And he talked about they had de decided they're never going to give up. But it's easy to sit there. If he would have lost two more spots on the racetrack, he might not have got those spots on pit road and been that first car on tires off of there and been able to make the moves that he did so he wouldn't have got all the way to the front with that. So that just says something about this young man that, that he's willing to keep giving that even though the disappointment had to be in his heart, uh, but his mind told him to keep digging, and that's what ultimately gave him this shot. And he talked about that that morning of the race with me, just how deflated he was after the first two races yeah. in this round, and he had to really focus mentally. He even said they didn't have the best winning car. The morning, before we even went green, he said, we have a top 10 car. We just had to put ourselves in position. They did that. One other interesting thing Adam Stevens told me before we even raced Texas, he said the first round of the playoffs is – a round of performance. They elevated, they brought their game, and the second round is a round of luck. Mm -hmm. huh. yeah. Which, before we even saw what happened in <laughs> Texas and Talladega to that team, 
that's what he had told me. Well, Luck didn't find them in the first two races. So looking at the, the Charlotte Roval race, how much of is that luck for the 20 team and how much of it is performance? Hmm. Yeah. You well, know, I, if you got the answer, cut ahead of me. But I, I just think, I think this team has been really fascinating to me because going into the playoffs, I spent a lot of time with Adam Stevens and Seabell there, and they were so confident and they were so full of enthusiasm for these playoffs. And I felt like they maybe were even under the radar a little bit. And then they go to that first round and they do, you know, are just fired all cylinders. They're the best car of the playoff cars. So going into the second round, I just expected that sort of continue. And it, so it's interesting to hear a little bit of a loss of confidence so quickly, yeah. just in two weeks, right? Yeah. Just two weeks evaporate that of confidence. So that tells me a little bit of like, I lean towards the luck side that this presented themselves, presented to them this opportunity to put tires on. Now, once you've had those tires, that opportunity, that was luck. Once you have those tires, that's up to Christopher to go and get yeah. it done. But I, I think that opportunity, right, if that doesn't come, they don't get this. They needed that lucky break of a caution and to be that first car on tires. You know, I've told people for many years after competing in this sport that if you didn't have some good luck along the way, you would say, to hell with this. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just look at the guy that won two, only guy to ever win 200 yeah. races. Well, he ran almost 1,200 races. Yeah. So he lost six times more than what he won. So if you don't have some good luck, you're not going to do yeah. it. But again, taking advantage of the opportunities when good fortune is presented there uh, is another story. Everybody can't do that. But this young man is very talented. Fun to see him get in this because I think and I've said it a number of times this year, he, they have been the best Joe Gibbs racing car for the majority of the year, in my opinion, the fastest. Now, they, first of the year, pit crew problems, making mistakes. I think they've cleared out a lot of that. And so I feel good about this round that's coming up for him uh, because I think he and Denny Hamlin look at this as in Toyotas that, that this is sitting up pretty well. i got to back my man DJ up here. Okay. You have been on the 20-team train for a while. Like, you know, I've yep. seen you on a production meetings and just bring up <laughs> Christian Bell. And the 20 team. I mean, he's been yeah. on it far earlier than I believe I, I was in terms of, you know. Well, he's I a really, betting guy. He knows how to I, put down knows the money on, the, on, the right, on the right number. Once again, you yeah. just follow DJ, and he will lead you to the road, you know, down the right path yeah. anytime. Well, well, speaking of luck, Chris Ravel had to make it through two final restarts. <laughs> and, and to your point earlier, the chaos kind of waited. But in our production meeting before the race, Steve Latart said, you know what? I don't think we're going to see a lot of chaos the first two stages. It's going to be after kind of that halftime mark when the floodgates opened, and that certainly happened. Surprised that, you know, they waited that long to just all of a sudden just, it was like people were grasping at straws. You know, what I'm most amazed at is they continue to let them put these signs and things out there because they always end up on somebody's grill or on the track. So we had to actually get to that. Even yeah. though we did have cars running into the wall, I actually thought we were going to get a caution even before it happened. Uh, but this is what happens when you put them in this situation, late race, I think this was, what, four to go uh, that we had this restart, and then things started to happen from this point. The pushing, the shoving, it was at Man, the what front. What about that move right there? AJ, I, AJ, AJ, oh, that's that's AJ a muscle Elliot. move. I don't care. Yeah. I, I wonder if he would have. No, he would have treated him the same way. AJ was there to win this race. That's all that he cared about, and yep. he didn't care who was there in the way. But things really got rough at this point. I liked Kevin's move uh, after that on AJ there through turn four. Yes. Just give him just a nudge enough to say, you're off in the grass and goodbye. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, how about Tyler Reddick hitting yeah. Chase there? Yeah, a, there, a lot happened. That was a t and to me, that was an overzealous move uh -huh. a little bit because I think uh, Junior said it best on the broadcast when he was like, but you had been on the outside then through seven into eight. So what Reddick was trying to do there was just kind of like a low percentage, not going to get much done, and yeah. he just obviously overstepped his bounds in the nine. Devastating for the nine, who was yeah. in control and by And could have gotten additional five, five yes. playoff points had he won that race. I mean, he's already a plus yeah. 31 at this point, which doesn't do you really any favors we've seen in the playoffs. But just to see those five points fall through your hands, Chase Elliott just must be <laughs> weeping. Evaporate, really. Yeah. I mean, yes. and, and like that is, it, it's, so, it's so tough because you, you put yourself in position through a race that has pretty subdued, you know, and that to the, the idea of, like, the race being sort of subdued, I think that is something that, you know, is a larger conversation or bigger topic right now within the sport is short tracks, road courses, potentially why it's tough to pass. Even though I'm watching these cars struggle for grip, struggle for rear grip mm -hmm. off the corners, they're 3,400-pound heavy stock cars on a road course. That shouldn't be an easy thing to drive, and it's not. But we're not seeing 
maybe some of the comers and goers that we see in the past, that sort of thing, yeah. even though there was a ton of tire fall. So I think that's probably a, a bigger topic, but for Chase Elliott specifically, you know, you do everything right. You put mm-hmm. yourself in position. You, you're clearly, you know, in control of the race. But I thought AJ might have a little leg up with like a little outside 10 to go. Looked like he was catching yeah. him. And then immediately Chase responded after like AJ cut eight tenths out of his lead and Zing did a couple really fast laps off. Yeah. I was like, okay, he's got this in control. And then the restarts yeah. happen, right? Much, it's, yeah. it's the sign. We've got to get these signs figured out. <laughs> How much of the difficulty it, with it being to pass and not seeing as many comers and goers played into the fact that we didn't see more cars take that caution like Christopher Bell and Adam Stevens did to get new tires? I think it had to play into it, yeah, right? Sure. I think that might have been the thought process of the of Tyler Reddick, mm-hmm. you know, and Randall Burnett, yeah. which is they were so far up. I don't. I know there was fall off, and there was a very a large amount of fall off, but I don't know if. You know, they saw a car going from outside the top ten to winning this race. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, when you watch Joey Logano lead every lap of the first mm-hmm. stage and never be heard from again. Sure. You know, because they kept you know, right. running that locked. way and put themselves in the back. Not that he wasn't good, but just showed how difficult it was. And I have an opinion about that. And maybe you know, it, and I put it all on today's technology as to why we're seeing. I, I think certainly there is something about the car that makes it more difficult. Haven't ever driven it. But you hear the drivers talk enough about it. But whenever you can see and your people can see everything that your competitors are doing and relay that message to you in real time, and you don't have to figure things out. Used to be, if I was somebody was outrunning me, I had to watch them, try to follow them, and figure out what they were doing. Was it they were driving further in? Were, were, was it they were braking better? And what did they do? But now you get the real time there as to, yeah, he's driving it 50 feet further than you or 80 feet further than you. And he's on the brake this much time. He's picking the throttle up this. I, I think that's ruined, in my opinion, and we can't go back. We'll never go back. But I think that's brought things closer and made it even harder to pass. So that got way off the subject, but um, <laughs> well, just no, letting I, you know I, that. No. And it's an interesting topic because you have that. You have the talent level of the NASCAR Cup Series, which is the yeah. highest mm-hmm. in you know yeah. American motorsports. Sure. So you have the best drivers there, the best teams. And that talent level, I don't just mean drivers. I mean engineering, yeah. you know, in terms of everyone who was within those race teams. And then a car that's supposed to be pretty much the same part. It is the yeah. same parts and pieces across the field, right? Yeah. So... Of course, you're going to get times where the field is slightly stagnant in speed because everyone is so incredibly close. But I just, that's what's perplexing to me is I I know there's so much data and there's information. We hear the teams telling the drivers constantly, you know, into turn one, you've got to go 20 Mm -hmm. feet further. You've got to be off the brake. Exactly. You're hearing that constantly. They're telling about what they're seeing out of other drivers. But often I hear drivers are like, okay, I'm trying to do that, but I can't, right? Or like something. So I, I know it's out there. But then also, it just seems like the cars are sliding around. They're difficult to drive. Yeah. I've driven one. They, they are difficult. It's just not translating into a discrepancy in speed amongst cars, right. which is really interesting. Like yeah, we're just getting a lot of cars running a very similar speed, which makes it really hard to pass. Sure. Really hard to pass, really hard to win. But Seabell got it done. His <laughs> championship lives on the fight for it. But for another guy, Kyle Larson will not be able to defend his 2021 NASCAR Cup Series championship. Let's see what Larson had to say after the race. At what point were you worried? Uh, as soon as I hit the wall. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just you give up that many spots, you know that you're going to be close. Um, and then, you know, the, the caution there. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, I just made way too many mistakes all year long and, um, you know, made another one today and, and ultimately cost us a, opportunity to go chase uh, another championship so just extremely you know mad at myself and uh you let the let the team down um a number of times this year and and let them down in a big way today so um yeah, we'll keep fighting we'll we'll come back stronger and, and i'll definitely come back stronger and smarter um you know make better moves out there and um just just mad at myself so um bummer but uh got to move on seems like you take a lot of blame for this how do you make it up to the team yeah just go you know go race hard um you know there's there's no definitely no other person to blame but myself um for today so um i feel like our team put ourselves in position uh, as well as we could on points today and got as many stage points as we could it was i think plus 27 or 8 at the time when i you know screwed up so 
just for no reason either. Um, I, I wasn't even pushing that hard at, at that moment and, and got loose and caught me off guard. So um, just, yeah, I just got to keep working on my craft, um, just be better and, and make a lot less mistakes. You know, I, like I said, I made, I made way too many mistakes this whole year, and you can't win a championship like that. So, um, yeah, no surprise that I made another mistake today and, and took us out of contention. Sad Larson right there. Took blame for a lot of that. So the big turning point for that team, they pit on lap, I think, 98 or 99 with a broken toe link. They sit there for almost five laps, come back out, have it fixed. At that point, when they come back out, Cliff Daniels on the radio tells Larson, from all the information I have, we are safe. You just need to stay ahead of the 99. Chaos ensues at the end. Ultimately, not the case. They find themselves out of championship contention and just heartbreak for that team do you do anything different do you tell your driver anything different if you're cliff daniels i don't think that i don't think that any more information would do any because they they were in a position there were two cars five laps down mm-hmm. daniel with the 99 car being the other it's not like he can go make up any more spots he was at the mercy of what was happening with those cars on the lead lap at that point in time uh the, the damage had been done i admire kyle larson his honesty and you know, he screwed up there. Tough thing because, Parker, it alludes to what you're saying about how hard these cars are to drive. When we talk about the defending champion of this sport and this series and making a mistake like that uh, and at a time that he could have just, as I said, rode around and mm-hmm. finished the race, uh, but but because of the difficulty of driving these cars, uh, just a slight mistake at the wrong time, and, and it cost them uh, in, in the biggest of ways. I will have to say that I have a greater appreciation. I, I think this every week, but I don't ever tell y'all. With what y'all do in going to these drivers, whether it's the winner who is elated or the others that are mad about things or upset about things they do, y'all do a great job at this because that has to be so difficult to do that because being drivers, we know how difficult we can yep. be after Heartbreak. certain situations with that. But but still, to, to see him take the blame, uh, you know, just crazy. Because we, we talk about Kyle Larson can drive anything, anywhere, and win with it. But he can also, you know, we're all human and, and you make mistakes sometimes. Tough to watch. And, and that's what's interesting for me is just like personally, I think of Larson as one of the most talented race car drivers in the world currently right this moment. And I believe he will go down as one of the greatest race car drivers over his time and will cement that legacy for a long time to come. And so when he talks about making mistakes, I, I have to sort of find myself thinking like, okay, where, where did he make mistakes, right? Because I, I think I see the times where he just does unbelievable things mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Watkins Glen earlier this year, I watched him in two races just put on a clinic, and I was like, how does he do it? And I remember asking him, okay, where are you, where are you breaking in this corner? He goes, I don't even know, I just do it. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, what? <laughs> what this is like, like, that's his level of talent and skill. And so, you know, for him to talk about making mistakes, that that's really fascinating to me. And I, I think... That goes back to the car being hard to drive, how close the field is, right? Mm-hmm. The parity this mm-hmm. year. I think it's just put where small, there's, the, you know, there's a lot of success in the details right now for these race teams. And, you know, we're not seeing a team show up and win a huge bucket of races. It's just not happening. We're seeing a ton of turnover and parity through the sport. And so for someone like Kyle Larson, who was so successful last year, right? Unbelievable season just was absolutely by far the best car of the year. To not, you know, now is in a position where that's not going to happen as much, right? Yeah. So it's almost like having to bring himself back a little bit to say, hey, this is this is the NASCAR I'm in now, right? And I just think that's something that he and Cliff Daniels are going to have to, you know, look in and investigate as to why he's making mistakes. Is mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's is it a... Is it a mentality thing about how approaching races or thinking mm-hmm. about the races or, or looking at the bigger picture versus what's happening in that specific moment? I just think those are things that they're going to have to look at because this is obviously a different – it's really a different you know, race series than it was a year ago. Yeah, and sometimes as a competitor and a great competitor like Kyle Larson, it's not in his mental makeup to just back off and say, let's no, just finish. No. You, you sometimes yeah. have to remind him of that. And you that's know? what and Daniels think, does. He's a yes, cheerleader. Yeah, and I think it maybe at that point, he was just, because his his idea is just to drive that car as hard as he can at that mm-hmm. particular time, not thinking about the consequences yeah. of what could happen. I'm, if I'm Cliff Daniels, and, and 
I'm not. And he does so many things right. And hindsight is 20-20. But they raced so hard at the end of stage two. Larson passed multiple cars at the end yeah. to grab third in that stage, get some extra points. Cliff gets on the radio. He congratulates him. He said, man, that was such great racing. We needed those points. Good job. At that point, there are, I think, double digits to the safe side. That's when I tell my driver, take it easy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you heard Kyle, and he said he made a mistake and he didn't know what happened and it snapped loose. But if I'm Cliff, after stage two, and we've gotten all the points we can get till the end of the race, I'm just lap after lap, take it easy. We, you know, we don't need to race hard. We just need to kind of maintain, maintain is maybe something I would have done differently. The only yeah. counterpoint to that I'm going to make just quickly, uh, the most mistakes I've ever made in a race car when I was trying not, not, to, not to drive really hard. Yeah. Like, you know, you take yourself out of the mode yeah. of driving as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. That's where there's all this, you know, space and room, margin for huge amounts of errors. And I just find, personally, like, I'm the type of one, when you tell me, like, I have to consciously think about not driving, just doing what I would naturally do, mm-hmm. that's the room for mistakes. Yeah. So, Nothing I don't easy know. about it. All right. I'm fooled that you're not Cliff Daniels, by the way. I had no idea. <laughs> well, Larson out. Uh, joining him, Cendric Suarez and Bowman, but not without some drama for both Cendric and Suarez. We'll talk about it next. Man, what a wild day. I told my guys before we even took the, the initial green of the race, there's a difference between thinking we can move on and knowing we can move on. And I knew that we could move on. You know, this team just uh, never gives up. I told him I was never going to give up, and uh, it took every bit of it there at the end. You know, with, to be easily in, then that debris caution comes out, and you know, still I thought we had a really good shot at making it in and get wrecked on the back stretch, and just crazy at the end of these races, especially the road course races. Just how much can change so quickly. So, yeah, I had no idea we were even going to have a shot. I mean, truthfully, I was kind of knew that we were probably out, and I saw the two wreck, and I was like, oh well, maybe there's still a chance, and we had so much pressure tires and everybody johnny pumped them way up to qualifying pressures and this let me go attack and kind of have the ball in my hand yeah we were in a position where i need one more spot i was working to try and get that spot and i haven't seen a replay but sounds like i got hit from behind and locked the rears and got sent back no i i just screwed that up so i think he hit me there at the end doesn't matter either way he's trying to drive probably a little desperate for 30 lap older tires in every car around me so um, tried to make some happen. Probably uh, could have done some better throughout the day. Just trying to figure out where to get track position and when to have tires and when not to. And bit of a cluster. We were we were golden there. If that red flag wouldn't have come out, we were in a great spot to make it in. But it's the way these go. Um, if we get the finish we deserve at Texas, um, we're not even in this in this position. So um, just frustrating. But that's playoff racing. There's a lot of guys who've had a lot of worse luck in the playoffs and. Learned a lot in my rookie season and um, proud to be able to have a shot to finish out the season strong and have some fun the next couple weeks. Suarez Bowman out. Cendric there. A lot of things to unpack. He said he got desperate. He was one of the ones on older tires. Uh, a little surprised Jeremy Bolton's didn't bring him in when we saw other cars like the 20 come in. And then they made some early calls. He referenced it there. They could have been better throughout the day that were a little bit of a head scratcher. So kind of give the two team a grade on this elimination race of this round. Yeah, I like I like his crew, crew chief. I like that normally, but they, they did not keep up with that race very well yesterday. I think uh, starting from stage two on, uh, there, there were opportunities that were there in front of him. I know he brought up Texas. They didn't get the finish that he felt they deserved there. And you can look at each of these rounds and Everybody puts it on that last race most sure. of the time if they didn't. But yesterday, I think that was warranted more that we saw so many mistakes and things happening uh, in this one because it was right there in front of them to take. So very unfortunate. When you're the that driver and they're asking, he said 30 lap older tires and they're asking him to go get one more spot uh, and, and everybody around mm-hmm. you has better tires. Hard thing to do. Yeah, he made a little bit of a mistake there. I don't think he anticipated uh, the car slowing down in front mm-hmm. of him that much as he approached the corner. Uh, but, you know, these things are going to happen. But let's not forget, he's really had a good year. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, oh, he's yeah. the Daytona 500 <laughs> they, champion. They were playing so with house okay. money, they in were. my opinion. Yes. Actually, every time I see him, I tell him he's the, I remind him he's the Daytona 500 yeah. champion. Yes. Yeah, he's a champion. <laughs> so he's like, you realize you won the Daytona 500. <laughs> but, I mean, as you said, everything's a bonus from there on out, especially yeah. in a rookie year like he's having and, and been so successful and really – was in a decent position there. I, I 
I, I thought the, the comment there from Chase Briscoe would have applied well to Austin Cindric, which is they put the ball in my hands mm-hmm. for Chase, mm-hmm. right? Which they did. They put yeah. tires on it, pumped them up, and said, go get them. Go on offense. For Austin, being a really good road racer, being a guy who throughout this season has excelled at a very high level for being new to the Cup Series, to put him in that position is a tough thing to swallow because you, you basically have put him on defense, yeah. right? While asking him to go on offense, he's on defense from newer tires behind him. Yes, I think there was some, you know, still a discussion at that point whether tires would matter as much as we saw mm-hmm. or they would be able to pass so many cars. But I just think that is such a uh, an interesting call that maybe when they look back at this to think, wait, we have a, a guy in there who's really good at braking, really good at road courses. Let's just put some tires on him and make him, Ready you know, go. go and get that other position. Yeah. So yeah. that's a tough one, though. They were, you know, one spot, one point. That's a really hard thing for Jeremy Bowens to say, okay, yeah. now pit, yeah. we're going to give up six, but we'll get seven. You know, mm-hmm. like that's, I get that how hard that is, yeah. but I, uh, I think the 14, you know, did what maybe the two, when they look back, will say, that we should have done the same thing for our driver. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm a really good crew chief on Monday. <laughs> Yeah. I think we all don't, are. Don't put me there Saturday I think we or Sunday. All are. I was a little surprised at the lack of performance we saw from the two on the Roval, but then I kind of thought about it, and two different things popped up. The Roval, to Dale Jr.'s point, is a Frankenstein track. I don't yeah. know that you can look at road course performance and, and think a guy like Austin, who's good at road courses, is absolutely going to be good at the Roval just because it's so different. And then the other thing, everybody has stepped up their game because sure. of the number of road courses that we yeah. see yeah. on the schedule now. So. You, you really can't say, oh, he should have, would have, could have done this because the the playing field is so much more level. Yeah, and I think the car has has equaled a lot of that out. You hear yeah. you even like Chase Elliott alluding to the fact things that he was able to do well with the old car and, and the braking, uh, things that he learned with that. Uh, now everybody has a, a lot of that at their disposal, so that's even things out a lot. But I will say, I think in moments like we saw there, down into the chicane, that is where a true road course style braking is just, and especially to find that last little bit mm-hmm. that Austin Cindric has so much experience with, has shown to be so adept at, can really come into play if you just put, and I, I keep using this, but put the ball in his hands. Let him go yeah. get it. Let him go do this. Let him be the race car driver, you know, that he has shown to be. Um, but, I mean, that's why we run the races, right? you right. got to make the decisions. you got to, you know, be able to dissect these things afterwards and, as you put it, on Monday morning, we look like geniuses yeah, because yeah. Uh, we know all the answers. Yeah. And I'd say I, I'd have to put myself in the same shoes as Jerry Bowen's there, and I, I, I would have a tough time, you know, yeah. having made that decision as well because they were in such a awkward spot just one point away. Before we get to our first uh, caller question, quickly, just a yes or no, are you surprised we did not see Austin Cindric win on a road course in the Cup Series this season? Yes or no? Uh, yes. Yes. All right. That's a... Three. Yes for me, too. All right, let's check in with Matt, see what kind of uh, question he has for us. Hey. Matt, you there? Yep, we got you. Yeah. How you guys doing? Good. Um, Yeah, I was was calling in about um, yesterday's race there at the end, and uh, I was actually calling in about the backstretch and the the last chicane there. Um, And it's about the 41 car of uh, Cole Custer brake checking the cars that were in line uh, to let his teammate go by to cushion a couple of points there because they were tied with Larson. All right, so you're not the only one that has questions about that. NASCAR investigating whether Briscoe's Stuart Haas racing teammate Cole Custer intentionally lost spots on the final lap as he dropped from 8th to 24th. Obviously, any related penalties, they said, would not impact the round of eight fields. So, Parker, we'll start with you. Uh, thoughts on this? Was it intentional? And if it was intentional, is it okay? So, I would like Matt to be able to let me know where he saw him actually brake check into that corner. Because all I saw was a car that happened to be slowing up a little bit more abruptly than the other cars around him. Also, exacerbated by the fact that his teammate there in the 14, Chase <laughs> yeah. Briscoe, mm-hmm. drove one one second further into the braking zone than he had on his fastest lap of the day at 160 miles per hour. Now, I'm not an engineer. I haven't done the math on how many feet that is difference, but I can tell you it is far. Here I went and looked at the data oh, because okay. so many people were putting this on social media that I had to go out there and sort of refute it with some facts. Uh, and then what does that mean? Well, by the time he got to the entrance of the corner and he lifted off the brake, he was going five miles per hour faster than he had on his fastest lap of the day in the entirety of the race. 
Chase Briscoe absolutely sent it into that breaking zone. Mm -hmm. Yes, was the 41 a little slower there that caught the three off guard, but he would have been beside the three. And in my opinion, the speed he was carrying to the middle of the corner, he would have most likely cleared the three by the time he got into the chicane. So I really don't think that helped him with the three. The 41, that's a different story. If it's a teammate that's going slowly who has potentially a mechanical issue, call that what you will. Mm -hmm. Going slowly, he probably gets by him easily. Although if you look at how much speed he carried in the last chicane into Redick, he was vastly faster than Reddick in the yep. last chicane and caught him from about three car lengths back because, as he mentioned, Johnny Klausmar pumped the tires up mm -hmm. into qualifying pressures, which adds a ton of grip under braking and especially under cornering. So I think you look at that. I mean, they're barely going. The 41 is not brake checking anyone. No. no. I, I just don't see that. Look how far that man drove into the corner. That is why that yeah. looked worse than it actually was. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I see nothing wrong with this whatsoever. And, and not to mention that Cole Custer had, and he said this afterwards, that he had a tire going down. Yeah. And so he wasn't able. It wasn't like that he just lost one or two spots here. He ended up 24th. You yeah. know, so he, he wasn't yeah. able to go. Uh, but if he slowed up to let that, I have no problem with that. I understand all this goes back to a time when a lot of stuff happened at Richmond a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I have no problem with it. What's the, so I'll ask Matthew, what's the difference if you have a problem with that if he did let him go by? That on the super speedways, we get two teammates lined up that are running first and second, and they get to choose where they're going to start, and the control car and the leader of the race takes the outside with the intention that the driver and teammate on the inside is going to let him take off and get down in front of him uh, to get the lead back. What's the difference well, there? And what's the point of having teammates in general? Yeah. I, I mean, there is some blatant stuff just, you can do on track that, yeah. that would warrant penalties and stuff. But in this case, you know, you have a teammate, and who, who knows what – I don't think that Cole intentionally did it, but no. even if he had, I don't have a problem with it because – that's why you have three and four car organizations. Yeah, the 20 car passed 11 cars, good race cars that are battling for the lead yep. just because he had new tires versus them. You know, the 14 car had new tires there, so and that's the biggest thing. You're, you know, you're referencing 2013 Richmond, which was race manipulation, right? They, yes. they purposely manipulate a race to cause a caution to make those all things. I'm with you in that I don't see a teammate racing another teammate nicer, right, on the yeah. last lap of a race as anything other than teammates being teammates. Like, yeah. if a team tells me yeah. to race your teammate cleanly, I'm going to be in that position where the 14 is beside me by that point, which I've even questioned if Cole Custer knew the 14 was even coming down that, that inside there because of how hard it would have been to see yeah. behind the three and whatever, we, you know, if his team was telling him the 14. Even if they were, he's not going to think that the 14, who he hasn't seen the entirety of his mirror or in his camera there, is mm -hmm. suddenly going to appear on the inside. Like, yeah. there's so many things there where... I saw all the armchair experts driving into the conspiracy theories, yeah. which were hilarious to me because they're, they're acting like you could physically decide to just stop the car yeah. at that point, like yeah. in the braking zone in, in that area. And it's just like, that's not how this works. No. And, and the, like Cole Custer's watching from above and able to see and conceptualize the 14 is, is gaining spots no, at has, a rapid race. No. He's driving the car. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapped in, I just, I think it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. And to Matt, yeah. it's not a bad question. It, no. It's certainly something to discuss. Sure. Because we spent it brings years up and a, years a conversation for us. But, Remember, we yeah. spent years with uh, drivers getting an extra point for leading a lap. Yeah. And how many times did we see teammates let, let, somebody, let buy. somebody buy and then get that spot back? And I believe, if, we, if it all plays out correctly, the at that point, getting by the three or even beside the three or behind the three, he was in via the tiebreaker mm -hmm. on the five. It's not like Cole was taking out Austin Sendrick. No, yes. like, that's right. Actually, that would be yeah. different. That would be different. Sure yeah. would. All right, our next caller, Jeff, uh, on the phone. What question you got for us? Hello? We got you, Jeff. We got you. Uh, oh. Wow, I can't believe I'm talking to Dale Jarrett. Three times they come to 500 champion. That's awesome. So I was going <laughs> to talk about on how Suarez was able to drive almost the whole last stage uh, with the power steering issue. How do you, how do you, you guys as legends, how do you guys re react to that? I think Daniel put it best. Nobody else in the field, he said, could have done what he did in his car. And I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, that was a Herculean effort. And that just shows you, you know, I'm not going to get into the debate about our race drivers, athletes, because that's a whole nother thing. 
But this is a young man that works extremely hard in his physical conditioning. And it, it's not even for situations like this, it, because this was an extreme situation. We saw a number of times as he was driving this car, having to take his other hand and mm -hmm. put all the way over one hand just mm -hmm. so that he could get a hold of the steering wheel and make that. How he didn't crash up more than and hit more than what he actually did hit there. I have no idea in how he was able to physically. Uh, I mean, sometimes we talk about mind over matter, and, and that's what this had to be, that, that he just wasn't going to get defeated in this respect. You, you said heroic effort because this it made me physically ill watching him in there and just knowing the time I've had. I had power steering fail one time in a race car, and it was one of the toughest things I've ever done, let alone that was not the Roval, yeah. which is, I think, yeah. the only harder place would be Bristol where I, or Dover, where I almost don't even know if be possible but you saw like, he's moving his hand over and that's because you just you and steve with tried to say it's like when you do too many push-ups you don't have anything left yeah. he had nothing left but he just kept going and you know in that position you're just thinking please a caution yes. any break because the thing about the roval is it doesn't really have a break no. like there is no long straightaway no. to rest his no. arm he was having to consistently try and fight that wheel and i don't know i don't have exactly the numbers on what that weight would be and what you know level of effort it takes but mm -hmm. i can just tell you that any time I've had to do that, my arms were destroyed. And I love his quote that he's the only one that could do it because I don't know many that could. Because yeah. that yeah. would requ that requires serious, serious uh, strength and just, you know, uh, endurance con conditioning because that is just incredibly hard. And he talked about how his hands were sore, his wrists were sore, his shoulders, his forearms, his back, everything. It took like a whole body. Yeah, if he could move yeah. today, I'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, I'd be shocked. Check in with him to see. <laughs> He's got to be sore. Well, in the midst of all that, uh, a little scuff up between Suarez and Corey LaJoy. Suarez uh, telling his team, tell the seven not to pass me too close because I don't have control of this thing. Things got a little bit dicey between the two of them. Surprised at the drama between uh, Soros and LaJoy? I I mean, it, it seems like a misunderstanding. Is like, as the night, you know, the 99 is struggling to basically steer the car. Yes. The seven probably cut a little close there on the braking zone. Probably, you know, is already frustrated. It's a hot day in a road course in the NASCAR Cup Series and you're not winning, you're frustrated because it's hard. And, you know, someone spins you out like that, you're going to be let them know that you do not appreciate that. So <laughs> I, right I am not surprised in the situation where Daniel Suarez was in. You know, for Corey, it just, to me, seems like a misunderstanding and a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I don't think Daniel meant to hit him, but he was having to anticipate and start turning his car sooner. And sometimes when you get a good grip on it, and, and it actually does move a little bit. All it took was that little bit of contact. I, I'm sure they talked it out. Uh, I don't know how much of that was in Spanish and how much was in English there. Uh, hopefully, Corey got the understanding that he needed, uh, and I'm sure that they worked it all out. It just seems silly to me. Yeah. I mean, Corey, not even in the no, playoffs, what we talk about all the time, non-playoff drivers becoming uh, and that, kind of oh, a factor yeah. in things. Dale, he was in survival mode at that point, yeah. right? He was in survival mode. Unfortunately, did not survive to live another day in the NASCAR playoffs. But eight drivers did. We'll talk about them later. But next up, we're going to talk about what we saw on Saturday, the Xfinity Series, and AJ making it four straight Roval wins. I was whining pretty bad there. I'm not going to say that. You know, that was, I can't say what I really wanted to say. I was, I was frustrated didn't think we had a shot but I'm always going to put it on my back when it's time to go and uh, we got that one we stole that one I just lost the lead on that one the restart didn't execute the right way and, and I lost there and then the last two we just got ran wide and the last one I caught the fence when I got ran wide and it just kind of hurt my momentum but um, you know we I feel like we were fast overall and I was proud of the efforts of my guys yeah good grief I mean I, I love adrenaline and I love uh, a good little battle but it was a little closer than I wanted it to be and a lot of guys made some mistakes today we didn't make any mistakes stayed solid and, and got it done so I think this next round that's what it's going to be all about you mentioned a bunch of mile and a half and even some short tracks that are really strong for us in this next round so no reason we don't go out there and win, the, win one of these and get locked in I had to do what I had to do you know what I mean just to try to make it in we had a, a bad stage two didn't, didn't get the point that we needed and uh <laughs> Sucks that we're out, you know what I mean? And we had top tens in all, all three of the, uh, the uh, races here, and we're still out. I was hoping to go and, and defend the championship and, and carry on to the next round, but um, made a mistake there, lap three or four, that you cannot make. If you make those kind of mistakes, you don't deserve to be here. So uh, got to go to work, got to be better myself. Hopefully try to get something that 
can keep us up with these big teams. It's just so tough, Dave. It's a stout field, and uh, all these guys got good stuff, and uh, we're, we're trying to get better and better. Not have issues. That was where it seemed to be kind of our hindrance at the beginning part of this this particular round. We just never got a clear shot at what we needed. We were up front every week and just didn't have the finish to show for it. So um, today was a good day. Next week we got to have an even better day. Yeah, they're all three, like, of our best race tracks, so you never know. These things can go any which way, and I think, you know, we want to win all three of those, and I, I think we can. The Roval <laughs> also an elimination race for the Xfinity Series in their playoffs. Daniel Hemrick eliminated, so both yeah. former champions of 2021 in the Cup and Xfinity Series no longer going for a title, but the big story, A.J. Allmendinger takes the win, fifth of the season, fourth straight Roval win, and 10 road course wins in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, winningest driver of all time on road courses. So is he the favorite for the championship? Mm. Mm. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, incredible what he's done at the Roval. He's amazing, you know, and all the week he's had, announced he's going to cup full-time, and, and just that whole, his whole career story and arc is incredible. But he's not the favorite to me because of what they did at Phoenix last year. And this race team just, I didn't see them rise up when they got to Phoenix last year. They were not in contention for that championship. And I just think for this race team, all year they've been telling us they have to get better, they have to get better. We know they're good on the road courses. Okay. He's won at a super speedway, but now we're gonna head to mile and a half, which they've had to be better at. They've got Martinsville and then Phoenix to me. If they make it there, you know, that is, possibly one of their that could be their toughest track and okay. so I, I just think they have to find something at college racing for AJ Allmendinger to really be in my opinion the favorite to win the championship yeah I just have to say I'm in awe of what he does on a road course and and to win all four races that just incredible for especially for those of us that just wanted to stay on the asphalt uh on a, at a road course <laughs> through the years but and talking about their championship and their favorite no Noah Gregson is okay. Noah, yeah. Noah Gregson is the favorite he as he pointed out, that all three of the tracks that are coming up, and he looks ahead to Phoenix. He's already looking ahead because he's going to win one of these three. He's the hottest well, he man right Phoenix now. He won Phoenix earlier this season. Yeah, no, I so did. there's no reason to think that he is not the man to beat. Uh, AJ. AJ's going to be okay. there, but, but Noah is the man. AJ also announcing this week he's going to go full-time Cup Series racing oh, again. Yeah. Nice. This time for Colleague Racing. Quickly, yeah. will he win on a road course in the Cup Series and be playoff eligible next yes, year? 100%. Yes, 100%. Yes? Yes. Yes? All right. Well, yep. 2023, we'll tell. <laughs> These aren't well, tough questions. <laughs> I, I know they're not tough. I still like to see what you have to say. Next up, we got to talk the round of eight. We go racing at Las Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville to determine the championship four. Championship four and Phoenix makes the next stop. We wondered who would win the 500th race for Team Penske. It has been decided. Make room, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Kenza takes him out. Legato into the wall. Caution comes out and the crowd roars. Kyle Larson, a dominant performance. And today, he's a Cup Series champion. Well, if the first two rounds of the playoffs are any indication of what we'll see in this next round, it is not going to disappoint. You can catch all of the next four races. That's the round of eight and then the championship race in Phoenix all on NBC. All right, now let's hear from a few of the drivers that are still alive in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Well, we go to a place like Vegas, Homestead, uh, in Martinsville, we've, we've ran good at places like that. Um, top fives at two of the places that we've ran at, and uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to show how fast our car is uh, in, in seven days. All of them are just perfect for what our strength is, uh, especially you know with the Toyotas and myself. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I think that we had a great test at Martinsville, even though we finished there bad in the spring. Um, you're gonna have to qualify well there, and, and track position is gonna be huge. So we're gonna. Go to work and, and really excited about our prospects this round. This round is tough for us, but we're able to get through it. And uh, I feel like this next round, I've, you know, we've won a race at Homestead and we won a Martinsville earlier this year. So I'm looking forward to those two. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tough round. You know, Vegas was a struggle for us in the spring. Homestead, uh, we've just been really hit or miss there. And, and um, we did have a test there last or a couple weeks ago. So 
uh, hopefully we learn from that. And then obviously Martinsville is just going to be about how you qualify because uh, I don't see anybody passing anybody there. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, let's go straight to the phone. We have James with a question for us. James, what do you have? Hey, guys, uh, real quick, I want to also wish uh, Dale Jr. a happy birthday today. And uh, oh, yes. my question That's is, right. okay, um, so my question is, um, between former Cup champions Chase Elliott and Joey Logano, which one of those two do you think has the best chance to advance to uh, Phoenix first? Great question, James. Let's it start is. with you, DJ. Uh, that is a really good question. And, and I think the, the answer that comes to my mind is that I think Chase has probably performed at a higher level throughout the season. But, dude, you cannot count Joey Logano out of anything. He elevates that team even when they're not at their best. So, But I, I still give a slight edge to Chase Elliott. So I'm going to go with Joey Logano off oh. of the test that they had at Homestead, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. that, that Chase referenced, the fastest cars there both days were Team Penske, including Joe Logano, and one of those sessions, I just think they found some things. They showed that at Texas they were really fast, nearly missed out in the pole. I think the Fords will be very fast in these two mile and a halfs, especially mm -hmm. at Vegas, so I have my eye on Joe Logano and Ryan Blaney. And interestingly enough, the two former champs, top two in the points, Chase currently plus 31 as we head into Vegas. Joey plus 11, but we've learned that, <laughs> that points buffer <laughs> has no factor on what we will see. All right, we've got another question. Marvin, what do you have? Well, first, I just want to say, Kim, you're doing a great job hosting Motormouth tonight. Yes, she is. Thank yep. you. Uh, my question for you guys uh, at the uh, round table is uh, – what do we expect this weekend heading into the high stakes and the high uh, drama that is Las Vegas Motor Speedway? I'm going with DJ. Uh, He's the expert in, in, uh, in, in gambling in Vegas uh, and all those things. So. I, well, it, it's going to be a wide-open race. I, I think that this sets up well for the Toyotas. Uh, you just talked about Joey Logano and the Fords, and that brings in Ryan Blaney also. But, but because of the width of this racetrack, uh, it has a lot of character to it, and character is what bumps, is what we <laughs> yep. drivers call okay. that. And uh, so you have to maneuver around that. So I, I see a lot of close action and, and some accidents. Uh, whether our eight guys are involved in this, I, I think that, that this could be a big part of it. And, and Bowman, the winner at Vegas earlier this year, not I, currently racing. So yeah. your Vegas pick to win the race not necessarily, not necessarily uh, Ryan a playoff driver. Ryan Blaney. Blaney. Ryan yeah. Blaney. I will go with Blaney. And I, I do agree. I just think the mile and a half have been wild this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we used to think of this as maybe going to be a more subdued race. I don't think that's, the, you know, okay. by any means what's going to happen here. And it's, Miami is going to be wild running up next to that wall. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. I think that somebody that was setting the schedule said, Denny, what's going to be the best chance <laughs> for you to get to the championship and get that first championship? And he said, okay, uh, let's go to Vegas and Homestead and Martinsville. I mean, it's not a bad pick. He won Vegas last fall. Yeah. Denny did. And uh, he's been great on those other two tracks. Like? He said, P1, those tracks. Who am I picking? Ah, I feel like it could just be like. I'm going to go Bell. There Bell's you go. Good gonna, choice. All right. I like that. Bell. Yes. Great uh, action headed into Las Vegas this weekend. We'll see you on Wednesday. Marty, Burton, and KP will be here to take you through NASCAR America.